Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, it's the 4th of July. Thank God that we live in a free country, huh? Um. We were, I was at a prayer meeting uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, Friday. They just kind of seem to run together these days. And um, we were praying for some places in the world that don't have the blessing and the privilege and the incredible joy of having freedom. We were praying for Ukraine uh, for a time in prayer meeting Friday and, and uh, lifting that people up. And I just um, was so impressed with Thanksgiving after that prayer meeting going home and just said, thank you, God. That we live in a place where people have sacrificed, shed blood, lost everything, life and treasure, so that this nation still lives free. And the, the, the um, great emphasis at the very beginning and still uh, is here today, we need to make more uh, note of it, is that uh, we have a religious freedom. Yeah, we're Christians, but it doesn't matter if you're Christian or any other religion in America, you can worship the way you want. And um, thank God we can come to this place, keep the lights going, keep it all going on that, but we can come here anytime we want and worship the Lord, study the Word of God, bless one another, pray for people, lead people to Jesus. That's, uh, and Paul said, he said, you need to pray for those that have the rule over you so that you can lead a peaceable life. And the ultimate outcome of that, of living a peaceable life, was so that the gospel and the good news and the Word of God can go forth. And um, so I thank God that we're Americans today. I thank God for this country. I consider myself a patriot, and I suspect that you do too. Pray for those that have the rule over us. Pray for those that, from the state level, local level, clear on through the federal level, pray for them. We're commanded to pray for, the, for, for those people. We're commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem every day, for Israel and that kind of thing. But um, the uh, uh, great reason for it, supernaturally and spiritually, is that, that we can tell others that there is a God who loves them, and he sent his son, and you know the story, so that you can walk with him and have fellowship. And, um, and then the greatest reward is we get to spend eternity with him. Amen? Well, uh, my wife is not here today, and uh, some of you know, but uh, I told her I'd greet the people for her. She has a, uh, a nephew who got married yesterday in Louisiana. Uh, she's from Louisiana, just south of New Orleans, not too far. Her family has, uh, has a sugarcane farm there. It's been in their family for generations. And she's uh, one of six kids. Uh, two sets of twins. She's the first. Uh, she's the firstborn. <clears throat> the first ones were twins, and then a couple. Uh, then there was another child in between. The next one, there was another set of twins. So they've got a big family. Her family is all devout Catholics. And uh, many years ago, Susan came to Jesus, and um, it was a strain on the family. They they accepted me as a as a Protestant, and um, we've um, uh, we found such a love for one another. But I will tell you, they're uh, uh, they are devout. They're moral people. They're good people. I'm not a Catholic. I you know, uh, 
uh, I pray for them. I, I suspect they pray for me. And, um, uh, but she's there with them, and they had a great wedding last night, and then she'll be coming home tomorrow and be here. Uh, so I'm saying thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know what they say about absence and what it does to the heart, right? Yeah, well, that's working in my heart today. I'm missing my wife, but um, thank God that she has a, um, a family that loves her and that she loves. You know, that's, uh, the Bible says in the book of Amos that he sets the solitary in families. And there's that natural family, and we thank God for it. But I'm going to tell you, if you've been saved probably very long at all, you'll know that the spiritual, the household of faith, the family of faith, is uh, many times stronger than even blood family. And I found that to be in my, my life. My family's a whole different story. won't go into that today. But um, many, of, um, uh, many of you are going to be celebrating and, and uh, tomorrow and that kind of thing. And um, there was a mom had invited guests over for dinner. And um, after she d- had done all the preparation, barbecue, and the food was ready, she asked her young daughter to pray for the meal. And her daughter replied and said, Mom, I don't know what to say. And Mom said, well, just say what I say. And the daughter bowed her head and said, Lord, why did I invite all these people over? <laughs> On the way home from church, a little boy was sitting you know, in the back seat riding home, and he was real quiet. His dad asked him what was wrong. The little boy said, the preacher said that kids should be raised in a Christian home. The little boy said, what I really wanted to say with you guys. And... Uh, <laughs> God is so good, isn't he? Take your word. You don't need to stand up today. Just take your word and say, I love this book. It's full of truth and blessing and joy and power. And I can have all of it because Jesus said I could. The devil's a liar. God's for me. That's all I need to know. (laughs) Give somebody a fist bump or a high five and just say, get ready for the word. God is so good. Um, I started last week out of the book of John, and uh, uh, I'll use, uh, my custom is I'll usually take a, a few weeks and carry a, a main idea or a theme out. Um, I don't call them series so much, it's just that when you get to my age and you've been reading the Bible for many, many decades, you end up having so much to say, and not that it's all good, but just, you know, when it's the Word of God, it's all good, but I, I just can't finish um, thoughts in, in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes sometimes. So I'll run those out over a couple of weeks. Last week, we started picking up the, the um, tremendous truth and revelation of what happens when you as a Christian begin to see things through your spiritual eyes and not just your natural eyes. Um, there's powerful revival transformation that takes place in a church when, when Christians begin to see with the eyes of the Spirit, when they begin to see what the Lord is doing, not only in their church, but in their community, in their individual lives, in their families, and their own circumstances, in our country, I can tell you right now the things that are going on in America, they're not just political at all. Far more uh, uh, is going on in the spirit realm. Our battles are spiritual and supernatural. And so the answers to those things, whether it be for a nation, and that's what I'm talking about now, the answer for America is a revival, is a coast-to-coast, um, border-to-border, uh, out, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, that this nation has seen repeatedly over the, over the centuries that it's been an, a nation. I believe we're due for another one. The spiritual and supernatural um, realms are far more important and they're more impactful on our lives than what the natural world is. The natural world is temporary. It's important, but it's just temporary. The Bible teaches that this world, the firmament, what we see, that it's going to, it's going to burn up. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you as a follower of Christ, that's where your permanent dwelling is going to be. We're heading to a place and to a city that's builder and maker. It's not been built with the hands of man, but 
is builder and maker is God. That's where we're really heading to. And so the spiritual and supernatural are eternal. Therefore, it's important that you see uh, uh, as much as you can through the vantage point of your spiritual what I'm calling your spiritual eyes. And we'll define that a little bit better. But uh, God created uh, you with the capacity to see in both realms. He gave you natural eyes. Amen? And, oh my goodness, we, we govern our whole lives by that. I mean, uh, all you need to do is sit down and talk to a person who's been blind or is blind. And you'll find they still function and they still do well. But their perception is different than, than ours. Well, Jesus said that one of the problems with Israel in his day, as he said, they have eyes, but they're, they don't perceive. They're blind. What he was talking about wasn't their physical eyes, was it? He was talking about their spiritual eyes. He said, if you only knew who I was, he was the Messiah that came to them. And even from their leaders and on through them uh, as a majority of a nation, they couldn't see it or recognize him for who he was. Remember, there was a time when he sat over Jerusalem and the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. And he looked over Jerusalem. He said, if you only knew what the Father sent to you in who he was as Messiah. But they were blind to it. God created you with the capacity to see both. When you become a Christian, there's a part of you that was dead before, but now is alive. That was, if you can put it this way, that was blind before, but now you can see. And one, um, you don't have to just live with one or the other. As believers, uh, we get to live with the, with the blessing of both. So I wanted to take... <clears throat> out of John chapter 1, and there's like, it's remarkable, there's like over 15 references here, and I ministered on a few of them last week, of where it talks about what they saw, they perceived. If you include, uh, you know, perception, there's probably closer to 20. In this one short chapter, it's amazing. It literally becomes a, a point right in the beginning of this gospel where the emphasis of seeing in the Spirit takes center stage. So that's what I've been wanting to go on. I'm going to ask you to turn over to John chapter 1, verse 38. We're just going to begin to read, and then we'll get into a few, a few ideas here about this. And so they said to him, uh, uh, two disciples heard him speak in uh, verse 37, and said they followed Jesus. Then in verse 38, there we go, uh, Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? What a question to ask Jesus. It was really, I believe at that point, they didn't probably know it, but they were being highly favored and anointed by the Holy Spirit to ask that question. Uh, it's a whole other uh, topic and a whole other study, but you can do it on your own. It's great to go into the, into the Gospels and see the questions that people asked of Jesus. But this is the only time that I found it said in, in this way, uh, when he said, well, what are you looking for? What are you seeking after? They said, we, don't know. we want to know where you're staying. And he said to them, verse 39, come and see. What an invitation, huh? Come and take a look. I want to show you where I'm saying. Come and see. And they came and they saw where he was saying and remained with him that day. That was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You'll be also called Cephas, or you'll be called Cephas, which is translated to stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Follow me. Now Peter was, or Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. Hmm. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, and he said of him, behold, an Israelite in whom is no deceit. 
Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. <clears throat> Just by the way, most of the scholars that will take and break down all, all of uh, the original language and put it into context, uh, they, don't, they don't believe Jesus was saying, well, Jesus wasn't implying, well, I had a vantage point and I saw the tree and saw it. No, Jesus was saying, I saw you with a spiritual eye. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you're the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. One of the reasons that they think that Jesus saw him with a spiritual eye was verse 49, Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel knew Jesus just wasn't in the vicinity and saw him, saw him. He knew that Jesus saw him. I want to tell you that Jesus sees you. And it's not a proximity-type vision. Man looks on the outside. God looks on the heart. That's spiritual eyes. And so uh, Nathaniel is so overwhelmed. He said, you're the, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. You're the Messiah. 50. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? And then he said, you will see greater things than these. Uh, I preached along these, this, this theme a number of times through the years. And one of the, one of the titles that I'll, I'll, I'll often use is seeing greater things. Because that's what the spiritual eyes really enable you to do, is to see, and this word greater doesn't just mean in size, it means on every capacity. When you look at things through your spiritual eye, you see the true reality of what God is wanting you to see, and it does so many things. It, it doesn't just give you an understanding or a knowledge, oh, I, I understand that now. No, it gives you something that begins to bring freedom and deliverance and, and uh, really open you up to the full work of the kingdom of God in so many ways. And he said, uh, he's saying to Nathaniel in verse 51, he said, you'll see greater things than these. And then he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. How many want to have that 2020 vision come upon you? Nathaniel, because of your interaction with me, right, there's coming a time, you shall see heaven open. Oh, Lord, give us eyes that can see that in Jesus' name. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the, upon the Son of Man. Like I said before, powerful revival transformation takes place when a Christian sees through the eyes of the Spirit. Um, a couple things I want to bring out. Number one is over in John, uh, verses 38 and 39. Something took place when they saw uh, Jesus and he, he let them know that he knew that they were seeing him, that they were looking for him, that they were watching for him. Verse 38 and 39, it says that, that uh, uh, and Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? One of the things that happens when you begin to see Jesus, you, you see, here's, here's an, it's not an issue, but it's just a, it's a caveat. It's, a, it's something that I think we need to pause and reflect on. Because in the modern Western church, we made coming to Jesus uh, really a matter of belief and confession rather than revelation and insight. And, and it is true in Romans. We, we use that verse. I, I use it all the time when I'm ministering to people. It says, uh, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and you confess with your tongue, the same. What happened? You're born again. You're saved. That is a belief. That is, there's an understanding in your mind. And then that looses your ability to confess it with your tongue. Uh, and, and spiritual transformation. You, you, that which is dead now becomes alive. That which was lost is now found and they're born again. And, uh, but uh, sometimes if you just leave it at that and you don't disciple people and bring them further in, it just becomes down to where, well, I've gained knowledge. I've gotten information about who Jesus is. And I want to tell you, having information about who Jesus is is really good information. But what Jesus is looking for is not somebody that has a scholarly or, a, or, a, or an insight into who he is and his history and his birth date and his death date and his resurrection. He, he, that's all good. You've got to have that. But what he's really looking for is relationship, intimacy. 
What he's really looking for is, okay, at the understanding of the information about who he is, is that you say, yes, Lord, I surrender my life completely to you. That's, that's just the beginning point. Now, the rest of the story, now the, the fun part, if you will, now all the rest of it comes, and, and Jesus is really in to bringing his people that will say, yes, I believe, and I'll follow you, and now you're my Lord. Now he wants to take you in to what this thing is really all about. And a lot of that is giving you the ability to see into the supernatural reality of what's going on around your life. But you have an enemy, we all do, his name is Lucifer, Satan is just the, the spirit of the age as well. And, and really, it's in, that influence so much is to just kind of give you tunnel vision. But one of the things I really felt the Holy Spirit bringing, because there was actually a whole another line of thought I was going to take these first uh, few weeks and, and months and go into and preaching in the church. But the Holy Spirit changed my message a, a few weeks ago and said, this is where I want you to take and begin to minister. Uh, here, at, not just at People's Church, but in this region and southwest Washington and Vancouver, that God is wanting us to see the bigger picture, see things the way he sees things, see what's going on in your life and see the full purpose and a greater purpose of what's going God's going. How many, how many question, at least from time to time, Lord... Um, I wish I knew what was going on with me. <laughs> if you haven't, then pray for all the rest of us uh, poor folk that uh, deal with that from time to time. Um, and, and we're called to live by faith. We're called to live this thing one day at a time. And the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. But yet, even in that, Jesus said, if you follow me, he said, I'll show you the way. I'll make things clearer to you. I'll let you understand. Jesus said, and it's the same type of thought, but he said, my sheep will hear my voice. They'll perceive, they'll know who I am. And what happened? They'll follow me. Seeing is in that same realm. So whenever you see with the eyes of the Spirit, uh, it, uh, when, you, when, you, when Jesus begins to see that you're looking for him through the eyes of your spirit, and not with just trying to, man, I've got to read a chapter today because if I don't, God's going to be mad at me. You know, whatever spin you want to put on that. Um, whenever the Lord sees that you're really... See, this is what James said. He said, if you draw near to the Lord, he'll draw near to you. Well... That's after you come to him. Because guess what? Jesus said, I think it's over in Matthew 11. He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. But now that he chose you, and you get that, that, that sense, God, while I was really messed up, you chose me. That, that revelation still overwhelms me from time to time. I mean, when I begin to think of that, because I, I, I love the Lord. I, I know he blesses me and does all those things. But, man, a lot of times it can kind of get mixed up in, the, in, in just the doings of life. But every now and again, God, you chose me. Way back yonder. You came and began to knock on my heart, and I'll never, never be the same again. Amen? And so, uh, but now, once you've come, uh, there now needs to come this pursuit of the things of God, this pursuit of the Word of God, this pursuit of Jesus, that I want to be closer to Jesus in 2022 than I was in 2021. Amen? And what happens when Jesus sees that going on in your life, it gets you noticed in the, in, in, in the supernatural realm. That's the way I'm going to put it. And what takes place is that invitations begin to come into your life when you see with your spiritual eyes. Now, I'm not talking about just invitations, you know, if you're a preacher to go preach somewhere or invitations to, you know, uh, particular churches or, or events. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about you begin to get supernatural invitations that the Lord will begin to draw upon you. Begin to say, I want you to come up here. Remember over in, in Revelation I, um, that John was at this one point in the beginning of his revelation of Jesus Christ and the heavens were beginning to open to him and this angel said, come up here. I want you to see things to come. 
That was the invitation. That, that kind of is God's heart. He wants to lift us up out of this very temporal realm. We live in it. We function in it. We work in it. We do all those things. We raise our family in it. But in the very middle of that, there's this capacity and really the heart of the Father is for us to live in a supernatural journey of life because that's where the joy of the Lord comes. That's where peace comes. That's where understanding comes. That's where you're in the world. Jesus said, uh, but you're not of, of the world because I've overcome the world and I'm going to give you the ability to live an abundant life. That's not just money. The abundance is that it is well with my soul. Yes, God and I are in communion. I, I, I'm following him and I feel his touch upon your life. So this invitation has come with you, see with your spiritual eyes. Because at this point, Jesus said, he said, what are you seeking? They said, well, uh, we want to know what you're saying. So I commented briefly when we were reading that. I think that's the strangest question that they could have asked. If I would have had a list, give me a list of questions that, uh, uh, give me a list. What questions do you want to ask Jesus if he comes face to face? He said, what, what do you want? I don't know that that would have made my list. I want to see what you're saying. Because they weren't thinking about heaven. They were thinking literally about what hotel are you in? You know, what house are you staying at? They were thinking in a very temporal way. Where uh, there was something in them, they, I take it, that they were just, they were wanting to familiarize themselves with the life of Jesus. Where are you at? Where are you living? How do you live? What's going on? It, uh, it you know, nothing surprised Jesus. He's the, he's, he knows everything. He's from the very beginning. The whole world was created by, by his word and, and all of those things. But in, in this part, it, they came and saw, what do you want? We want to see what you're saying. I believe that what Jesus uh, saw or heard within the question is he heard their heart. They were seeking. They wanted to know. They were wanting to know about him. There was a hunger. There was a desire to see him. They sought him out. I want to tell you, when you begin to seek the, the, uh, the person of Christ in that way within your life, invitations will come to you from the Father to come deeper, to come closer, to get more intimate. And so uh, he said, come and see. Uh, it's, uh, I love Jesus. He's, he's so relational, isn't he? <clears throat> it doesn't matter if it's a messed up lady at a well. He'll sit down and tell her everything she ever did. Doesn't matter if there are so many people gathered, he'll take a fisherman's boat and say, push me out here a little bit because I want to minister to. Um, doesn't matter. He just wants to be near you. He's looking for opportunities. So these guys said, man, we want to see what you're saying. Jesus said, come on. And they came with him and they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. I think that's one of the, uh, I, I've done my best in looking. I, this is the only time that I can find in the gospels where Jesus took, I mean, Jesus went to a lot of people's homes, but this is the only one that I could find where he took somebody home with him. And I don't, it doesn't say where he was staying, but he was staying somewhere. And it says they went and they hung out with him for the day. Wow. Can you imagine the, the story they had to tell their kids and their grandkids? <laughs> Come on, I want to, I want to show you what we're saying. Um, and in that same verse 39, the next point I want to bring up is when you focus, when you sit your spiritual eyes and you're focused on Jesus, his presence stays with you. The original word here comes down and it translates out in the, um, in the, in the King James, translates out abides. That is, if you want to come in and live in, with the abiding presence of the Lord, I've got a couple tips for you how to do that. Uh, one I already mentioned a few minutes ago. If you want to live under the abiding presence where the presence of God just lingers on your life, be a worshiper, not only in church, but your whole life. Worship God every chance you get. Worship God wherever you wherever you They asked Jesus, Lord, John taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us how to pray. How do you want us to pray? The first thing he said, this is how you're going to pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're going to start out praising and worshiping God. Before petition, before asking, there comes where there's this worship, uh, there's this uh, heart of worship. That's one of the ways to just have the abiding presence stay, stay upon your life. Uh, another way is to get into the word of God every day, not just out of... Out of um, um, uh, duty, but get into it like you get into it when you go to a fancy restaurant and you get, uh, you know, you had a raisin job, whatever, and you get the best steak on the menu. Go to the Word of God that way. 
<laughs> I want it just the way I like it cooked. Yeah, I, I, I want I want nice uh, uh, silverware and all that kind of thing. I want it I want it done just right, and then I'm going to enjoy. It. Uh, I, you know, I can't say every time, but as much as I can, when I open this book, I say, Lord, I want. I don't. I'll read as much of it as what I can, uh, but Lord, I don't care if it's just one bite or one morsel. I want something that'll feed my spirit out of this word. The abiding presence of the Lord. They that hunger and thirst, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, what happened? They'll be, they'll be filled. That's one of the ways to get that abiding uh, presence uh, upon your life. Uh, another way is to love everybody you meet. <clears throat> Man, Mike, it's so easy to say. I wish I could love everybody you meet. Uh, the whole law is filled in this. Love others like you treat others like you want to be. Love others like you want to be. Treat others like you want to be. Two most powerful emotional uh, stimulators, if you will, is the power of acceptance and the power of rejection. They are operate on the, on the, on the uh, different ends of the spectrum. But acceptance just opens people up. Rejection just shuts them down. And, and as believers, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're not just ambassadors for, you know, people's church. And we love this place and we are representatives of it. But we've got even a higher calling. We're ambassadors and representatives of Jesus. We're to love everybody we come in contact with just the way Jesus did it. And I'm talking about how do you get that abiding presence of the Lord? Just love everybody and watch what will happen in your life with the sense of God's with me. God's for me. His favor rests upon my life. And I can go on and on and on. There's all kinds of things. But those are three just basic basic um, uh, tips that you are in charge of every day of your life. And I will tell you the biggest challenge of those three for me is loving everybody I meet. I won't, I won't go any further. <laughs> Y'all have your own stories, right? Yeah, uh, uh, we do. Uh, there's something about it. Even if you'd love enemies. I was reading uh, last week, and I can't remember the names specifically, but there's a church that has a coffee shop in downtown Portland. And um, last week when Roe v. Wade came down, uh, the leadership, I think it's, I believe if I remember the story right, uh, I believe it's a Baptist church in downtown Portland. It's, good, it's, it's a traditional, fundamental, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, preaching church. But they've got, a, they've got a coffee shop that they run out of the church. Anyway, the leaders knew, hey, if this goes down, uh, we better get ready, because downtown Portland... Yeah, you all know. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, so they began to board up windows, and it just it came out sooner than they thought. They didn't get them all boarded up. Anyway, the protesters showed up. They broke out the windows. They did all the, did all the graffiti, did all that stuff. Well, inside, all, all their employees are from the church. They're Christians. They're, they're people from the church, younger people, whatever, from the church. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's kind of their philosophy, as I was reading more into this, and, and doing, that the ministries, they're not just so people can have a cup of coffee. Starbucks does that. Uh, it's there to really show and minister the love of Jesus in that area of downtown Portland. So they boarded the place up, got ready, got through it all. The test of the testimony comes not during the rock throwing and the graffiti painting. The test comes the next day when the boards come off and you open back up. And it was amazing because uh, some of the employees were saying, oh, they had masks on, but we knew. Oh, you were here yesterday, uh, but today you're in getting your, your, your cappuccino. <laughs> and the whole, and, and, and as I read through the story, and it, it, it didn't shame me. God doesn't operate in shame and all that, but it's just like, oh, Lord, that would have been a real test for me, is, is that they loved everybody and cared for and were cordial to and were as friendly to as much after that as they were before that. And I thought, Holy Spirit, 
help me. Job well done. Uh, good job, young men and young ladies. Good job. Because it's not about making a butt, getting a tip, serving a cup of coffee. It's about you representing a kingdom. Abiding presence. Love everybody you can. Another point, whenever you focus on Jesus. Yeah, he took him to his house. Jesus wants you to be where he's at. Isn't it marvelous? I, I, I love where Jesus is telling his disciples. And he's talking about future things to come. Jesus was a prophet, not only uh, a Messiah and the, and the author of the word and all of that. But uh, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to know the rest of it. That where I am, you can be there with me. How many looking forward to that? How many have some over, over there already? And yeah, I, I, I love that about Jesus. He's so inclusive. <laughs> Not, Lord, why invite all these people? <laughs> He's like, Lord, I want to invite everybody I can. Whosoever will. Come on. When you see with your spiritual eyes, you find treasures that have been hidden. I'm going to take my last uh, few minutes and we're going to... Uh, this is, not that it's deep, but this is very insightful and, and I think impactful uh, whenever you look from verses 45 through 51. When you see with your spiritual eyes, you find treasures that have been hidden by the ordinary. You see, the ordinary, the, the mundaneness of routine, although it's stability and it's needed and it's required and it's good to have that, the ordinary becomes a real... Um, it really becomes a real hindrance to your life in the spirit. It can. And so when you see with your spiritual eyes, you find treasures that have been hidden by the ordinary. And when you see with the spiritual eyes, you find your prophetic destiny can be released whenever you begin to look at things through your eyes of the spirit. So um, verse 45, and Nathaniel said, uh, they came, uh, Philip and Andrew and Peter came to Nathaniel and they said, hey, you got to come with us. We found the Messiah. We found the one that Moses was talking about. He's the one. And uh, he's Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one of the prophets talked about. He's the son of Joseph. And in all of their enthusiasm to invite him, it had zero effect upon Nathaniel. All right? He wasn't buying it. Verse 36 or 46, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, in that, just kind of a backtrack, whenever they said, we want to see where you're staying, and he said, come and see, you know where I think he went? It was Nazareth. Because now they're saying, yeah, we went to his place. He's staying over in Nazareth. Nathaniel's a good, he's a scholar. He's not a dummy. He's not somebody that's just, no, he's, he had been seeking the, the scriptures. He'd been seeking the Lord. He'd been seeking and hoping and praying and believing like any good Jew, any good Israelite was. Lord, we want the Messiah to come. We're sick of this Roman occupation and all the stuff that goes with that. And he was maybe buying in, but he said, come and see. He's over in Nazareth. He said, can, that's, his natural mind shut off his spiritual perception at that point. He said, I don't think that can be the Messiah because nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Wow. So that's where Nathaniel was. He was, he was locked in uh, and, and hindered by what he considered ordinary. He, he couldn't see past his own, uh, his own opinions. And so, you know, you begin to see the rest of the story. And even with that, Philip piped up and said, I don't care. I want you to come and see. I want you to look at this thing a little differently than you have. So verse 47, and we talked about it. Jesus, uh, they uh, start to go. And Jesus began to perceive. And he, he saw Nathaniel in the spirit. Saw him coming towards him. Nathaniel at that point, if you take verse 47, he wasn't just following the crowd. Something switched in his heart when they said, come and see. And he said, all right. Something switched in him where he really was looking. Because that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, uh, Nathaniel, I saw you coming towards me. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him. And he said to him, here's a Jew, here's an Israelite, in whom there's no guile, there's no deceit. And verse 48, that 
word of knowledge and Nathaniel's understanding changed everything. Nathaniel then asked, he said, how do you know me? Jesus knows just what it's going to take to get you to open up to him. And you, you know that because of your own personal experience. I want to I give you something that will help you. Help you with those people that you're praying for that you just think, are they ever going to get what God wants to do in their life? Jesus has a way to open and unlock the heart of every person. How many have had people in your life that you thought there was no hope of them coming, ever becoming Christian, and then all of a sudden, somewhere along the line? <laughs> One of our boys, his name is Will, and Will has ADHD. And uh, he's a challenge. He was a challenge growing up. We all went to church and all that kind of stuff. But man, Will was, I mean, we went to a church about an hour's drive. And man, that, that drive down with Will in the back seat, there was a lot of drama. <laughs> anyway, we'll go through all the story and all this. But at one point in Will's life, we got him into the Dream Center, uh, Matt Barnett's Dream Center in L.A. He went there and went through a program. And I just tell you, the whole family had given up on Will. And there were times, I even thought. But there was something that the Lord just showed me. Just, just I saw something in the spirit about Will. Yeah, he had terrible troubles in school, getting through, just learning, all, all those things that go with that disorder. They put him on the pills. Now, if they got, if, that's all good. I'm not, I'm not preaching against that. But I'm just telling you, Will didn't like what the pills did, so he knew how to fake so you got a will too. Okay, it wasn't just, okay, I understand. So anyway, you're dealing with all this stuff. So we get him down. We take him into Matt Barnett's uh, Dream Center. And when we got there, when we arrived, uh, everybody was in the gymnasium. And there was like 1,500 teenagers in this gymnasium. Matt Barnett, was Tommy Barnett's son out of Phoenix uh, First Assembly. And uh, uh, Matt Barnett was in He'd been shooting baskets all night long. He had his team around him. And they were raising money to build another thing in the church. So he'd raise money and how many baskets. And so uh, Matt had been shooting ba- uh, baskets all night, all night long. And there was a lot of stuff going on. And the ADHD guy, I mean, man, it's just all the circuits started firing at once. And Will's just like, oh, my goodness. Uh, now, I might, I might say some things. You might not know who. And if you do know who, you might be offended. Don't be offended. It wasn't, I wasn't the selector of the music. But they had Gwen Stefani playing in the, in, the, in the sound system, as loud as you could play Gwen Stefani. And, um, and it's just teenagers, all this activity going over. And so we go to the table, check Will in, and we get him checked in. And there was this great big Hispanic guy. And he was just full of love of Jesus. And uh, his name was Manuel. And Manuel came up and said, all right, Gary, man, it's glad to, glad to meet you. I, and uh, we're going to take Will. And you're not going to see him for a month. And I'm like, thank you, God. No, I wasn't like that. No, I, I didn't do that. I, I, Lord, help me. My wife is not here. Don't you dare tell my wife that I said Because <laughs> she said, oh, my God, that's my life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Manuel, you got Will. Okay. And uh, he looked over at me and said, it's going to be okay, Pastor. I said, all right. I've got to make this short, and I'm going to end with this, this whole thing about releasing your prophetic destiny. So we'll go, man, lock down. They take, the, they take the phones. I know just this. They take Will's phone, and it's going to be like withdrawal for a heroin addict all gun just going dry, man. And I mean, Will's going to be just because... Uh, so we go back a month later, the big celebration. And I got to tell you, Will comes out. We all load in the car. We're going out to get something. To eat. I can tell, man, Will's, wow, there's something a little different. So we're going through this. 
I'm talking about the supernatural. Yeah, they do a great program. They do, the best, one of the best in the country. They do all these things. It's amazing. But there's something that the supernatural brings. When you, when you begin to see into the supernatural realm, that's where real deliverance and freedom, and that's where all the good stuff really happens. And so we're, we're out, and Will pulls, pulls out his notebook. And I mean, man, it's like, you know, a half inch thick and of what he's been doing every day for his homework and his uh, studies in the scriptures and all this stuff. And, and he said, here, Dad, take a look. And I open it up, and I'm flipping through the page. And I mean, it is perfect, like, cap cursive writing. Did I tell you Will had ADHD? He couldn't spell his name where it was legible. And so I'm looking at this, and it was good stuff. I mean, it's, uh, you know, insights and stuff from the Word. And I said, I said, Will, who's, uh, who's, who's uh, filling out your, your ledger and your notebook for you? He said, oh, man, that's me. And I asked him this question. I said, have you been taking your meds? He said, you know the amazing thing is, Dad? They don't even make me, make me take them here. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I need to look through the thing that we signed. But... Uh, I said, what happened? He said, you know, it was the first Sunday or two we got here. We have to go to church. He said, you know, we have to church, go to church every day here. I said, oh, yeah, we knew. <laughs> he said, it was on a Sunday night. He said, man, Pastor Matt was preaching, and he said, he gave an altar call. He said, that, I said, I didn't know what the altar call was for, but he said, I knew I had to go down front. And so he went down front, and he's standing there. And he's telling me the story. He said, I'm standing there down front, and the music is blaring, and it's loud, and it's got the lights down, and the smoke's going, and the message never changes, but the methods. Please hear that. The message never changes, but the methods, they can change. And he said, Manuel and a couple guys came over, and he said, they laid their hands on me, and they started praying. And he said, I fell down on the floor. The toughest thing for... Uh, a 20-year-old with ADHD to do is lay down and be still. I'm just telling you. And he said, when I was on the floor, he said, all I can tell you is something came out of me. I said, what? He said, I felt something that was in here, and it was like an accident. He didn't even have words to tell. I'm not saying a demon. I don't know. This is his testimony. He said, something came out of me. He said, I laid there for a long time, Dad. He said, I got up. And he said, some of the guys had to get, because he said, it was like I was drunk and I was, couldn't, I could barely get, make my way. And he said, they came and took me back to the room. And he said, they prayed over me for uh, a lot that night. And, and uh, he said, over the next few days, he said, I couldn't believe it. I could just begin to write. He said, I couldn't believe it. I could begin to read it. And, and you would read the word to us every night. But he said, I never really understood. He said, I began to read it. And all of a sudden, I knew what it was saying. Supernatural eyes had opened in him. Something happened in him that only the Messiah could do. Something happened in him that only the Holy Spirit could do. Uh, Isaiah 61 says that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming to set the captive free and to heal the brokenhearted. Two of the main things that we as the church of Jesus must be about. Our son was, he has not been perfect. (laughs) But his destiny is being released through his life. Each one of them has a different one. It all comes about. Each one of you has it. It all comes about. And so here with Nathaniel, and, and, and he said, I saw you. And, and he said, oh, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus said to him, because I said to you, I saw you. That's why you believe. And he said, listen, you're going to see greater than these. What happens is, is that as you begin to live a life with supernatural vision, is all of a sudden the skeptic part of your life will begin to fade away and the prophetic part of your destiny will be released. That's what happened in Nathaniel. He went from a skeptic to a spiritual seer. I want us to stand up.
He went from uh, being a doubter to being the most, one of the most dominant disciples, if you follow through his life, of, uh, of ministering to higher echelon leaders within, within Jerusalem. That's who Nathaniel was. He, there was a transformation that came into Nathaniel's reality. And as you begin to uh, look at things and say, God, give me eyes that I might see what, what you're doing in my life. <clears throat> hmm. Give me eyes that I might see. I want you to shut your eyes. Now, take a moment with me. Just lift your hands out like you're receiving something. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do something incredibly remarkable, even miraculous, and starting with me, starting with all of us here today. I'm going to ask, Holy Spirit, come this morning and this uh, 4th of July weekend, 2022, and Lord, we give you permission to pull the scales off of our eyes so that we can see more plainly and clearly in the supernatural realm than we've ever seen before. Lord, we're not looking for miracles to follow miracles. We're not looking for angels to follow. Lord, we're just wanting to see into the realm that you said we're going to live in for eternity. We want to be able to perceive in that realm here, God. Lord, we want to be able to see what you're doing in our life so that we understand what the ways of the Spirit, what you're, what you're working to accomplish within us. Just like Nathaniel, Lord, all of us here have levels of, of, um, of uh, areas where we, it's difficult for us to get past because of our training or our past or, or just our dullness, whatever it might be. And Lord, you're the only one that can open our eyes and, and bring us into where we understand, oh, this is what you're wanting to do and this is what you are doing in our life. Lord, help me to see. I want you to pray that with me now. Just say, Lord, help me to see with the eyes of the Spirit, what you're doing in my life, what you're doing in this world, what you're doing around us, what you're doing in our church, oh God, help us to see. And Lord, what we see, we're going to follow and we see that it's you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is working in you right now so that you can see Jesus as the true Savior and that you need him in your life. If you're here this morning, and you want to say yes to his purpose and to his will. You're not joining a church. You're not coming into a program. You're coming to the Christ. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been living for him the way that you know that you should be. You've walked away from God. Maybe, maybe this, you're, you're here and it's the first time in a while. I, I'm still new. I, I, I've got the advantage. I don't know everybody here at all. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're here because the Holy Spirit put a desire for you to come back. That's, you've got to see in the eyes of the Spirit. That's God working in your life. If there's anybody here and you want to make Christ your Savior or come back to Him in a greater way, I'm going to dismiss in just a moment, and I'm going to stand down front, and I want you to come, and we can have a conversation and a prayer together. Thank you, Jesus. This week, uh, believe the Lord that you're going to begin to see the perception of what God's doing in your life in a fresh, brand new way. It'll open things up for you more than you can imagine. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make you the head and not the tail. The Lord put his favor upon you, that wherever you go, you're the lender, not the borrower. That uh, you're the one that, that uh, people come to looking for answers. That you're light and that you're salt in a world and in a city that needs it desperately. And I just release the blessing and the favor of God upon each and every one of you. Because you came to this place today. You sat up under the word of God. You worship the Lord. Now go and abide in the presence of Jesus this week. He's going to follow you home like, like he wants to. He wants to come home with you. God bless you all. We'll see you next week. If you...